Hi, welcome back to CCW Safe. Uh, I'm Rob High. I'm a content specialist with the company. I'm a use of force expert and uh, part of the critical incident response team. We've had a lot of a lot of questions lately coming in, uh, specifically about brandishing firearms uh, or defensive display of a firearms. And so joining me today is going to be Gary Eastridge and our uh, Chief Trial Counsel, Don West. So, Gary, a little bit about you. Uh, yeah, I'm the uh, critical response coordinator. I'm a uh, retired law enforcement, as, as, as you are as well, and we worked together at the police department for many years. Right. Um, I'm the guy that coordinates if a member is involved in a, a, a significant incident, uh, an actual uh, boots-on-the-ground response by our, by our team. So. Don? Thanks, Rob. Nice to be here. Thank you. Good to have you. Thank you. Uh, my name is Don West. I am a practicing criminal defense attorney. I've practiced almost 40 years now. I'm actually board certified by the Florida Bar as a criminal trial specialist, having focused exclusively on criminal defense my entire career in state and federal courts. I am uh, privileged to also hold the position of National Trial Counsel with CCW SAFE. And in that capacity, I help uh, identify and retain lawyers on behalf of our members. I directly interact with members who have been involved in self-defense shootings and other degrees of self-defense incidents. And um, I'm glad to be here and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, we know how difficult brandishing is to get a handle on, uh, factually and legally, and how treacherous that terrain can be for someone who draws a gun. Correct. Um, I think it's really important um, right out of the box to understand that there's so many things going on in the country, and we get so many questions and emails and calls specifically about this incident uh, or, or this topic, um, and it's Got, got different varieties of available charges state by state by state. I want to kind of touch on a little bit of that right up front uh, because it's really critical that you guys understand the local laws, the, the laws of the state that you live in. Uh, they're all so different. Brandishing is basically the very same thing, um, and we touch on it as the topic of brandishing. Um, but depending on where you live, depends on the, the kind of different charges that come up out of that. Um, and just a little bit of research, um, I'm, I'm coming up from state to state that it can be assault, just displaying that firearm, or aggravated assault, disorderly conduct, crimes against peace, um, improper exhibition of a dangerous weapon, um, the use of a deadly weapon, um, recklessness, menacing, there's so many different levels of this, and it can go from a simple misdemeanor to a felony felony charge, um, and it's something that we see these things in the news, especially here in the last year, that things are going on and people are being arrested, and oh my gosh, they were just protecting their home or whatever, um, and it's understanding some of the actions that they took that kind of placed them into jeopardy mm -hmm. um, because it was more than just letting somebody know that there's a firearm in play. And as a concealed carrier especially, I, I love the fact that I have that element of surprise and all of a sudden I display that gun and if that's not enough to resolve my issue, where do I go now? Because we're not at lethal force. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of puts the monkey on my back at that time. So you have anything you want to add on that? Well, you know, Rob, you've hit the nail on the head. This brandishing is what we typically call it. Right. Has lots of different names depending on where you are. It also uh, can be tweaked or it has different twists and turns depending on where you are. Correct. And some of those depend on how the firearm is displayed whether it's pointed or not, whether it's in fact an operable firearm, for example, Correct. 
whether it's a misdemeanor because someone is just waving a gun around or whether they are using it in a clear defensive pointed way. Correct. So I guess what I think about when I think about brandishing as an issue that we can talk about in the context of self-defense is to know that really whether you call it uh, in the form of an assault or a menacing or even terroristic threats, I've yes. come across uh, that as a charge or brandishing specifically, uh, what it really boils down to subject to the peculiarities of the individual jurisdiction or state where this is, it's, it's displaying a firearm, which could include showing it, it could enclose, uh, it could include picking it up and pointing it at the ground, the so-called low ready, uh, or pointing it at somebody. And that can change. That's a dynamic situation as I hope we, we get to talk about. But the bottom line is the crime of brandishing is displaying a firearm in a rude or threatening or angry way. Correct. Okay. Uh, what I also want to talk about is we're, we all work for CCW Safe. We're on the other side of that. We're on the self-defense side of it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, in your experience as law enforcement officers, you have certainly been called out somewhere where some guy that was drunk or crazy or mad or all of those had a gun and he was threatening people for no good reason, you know, right. waving it around. He was just being a fool, right? That's classic brandishing for which there is no legal defense. Correct. Keep in mind, no matter what you call it, whether it's the exhibition of the firearm or the assault or the unlawful possession of a firearm, et cetera, in this context, if you make, if you do those things, if you display it in lawful self-defense, lawful self-defense is a defense to all of those charges. Correct. Okay. So we've already sort of put our hands around it. We're not talking about the guy that just is angry at the world and decides to start shooting his gun off in the backyard. Or we're really talking about people that have been threatened in some way. Correct. They have to assess the level of that threat and then determine what their response will be that wind up, whether it starts off as road rage or, uh, you know, uh, somebody bumping into them or stepping on their shoe in a convenience store. And we've, we've had those cases. Mm -hmm. How that then escalates to the point of, and I'll, I'll further try to particularize this for our conversation. When I get those calls, and I guess you guys do too, typically, Brandishing is most often when a member displays a weapon in some fashion in response to an attack or a threat by an unarmed person. If you're really talking about two people with weapons, it's quite a different it is. An analysis. What we're really going to talk about today is displaying and using a weapon uh, against an unarmed attacker and what comes into all of that and how you can safely defend yourself and avoid you know, going to jail. And if you can't avoid going to jail, avoid getting convicted. Absolutely. Um, on that line, you know, Gary and I, as we were talking about earlier, have got decades of law enforcement between us. Um, and there's so many times that that display that we've seen uh, as a call is something that happened before really the necessity of that level of force has been met. Um, and that's where people get themselves in trouble. And that's where people get in trouble. So, I mean, there's other things involved, but those are, those are kind of some of the things that Gary can touch on um, as far as the time, because I don't want to jump straight from zero to 100 if that's not the case. Now, obviously, in use of force things, self-defense things, there are so many different articulable facts that we have to come up with that these are the reasons we did these things. Um, and I have to be able to explain those when the officer shows up. But you also have to understand when that officer shows up, he really has a very vague understanding of what's going on. He doesn't really know what's going on as he gets there. So he's kind of skeptical and he's going to weigh everything out as, mm -hmm. he's, as he's working both sides of that. Yeah. Well, and then to add to that, one of the big problems that we've experienced uh, with some of our cases is members not notifying 911. Yeah, it's huge. So when, when the police response is initiated, they're basing that on the other party's input. 
you know, a typical case may be one where a, a member perceives a threat, he draws, he or she draws their weapon, uh, that, that threat dissipates, but what they don't know is that, that, that other party has run to the local, uh, to the nearest payphone, if those even exist anymore, and uh, called 911. So now you are the suspect. Right. Uh, and I've always said, win the race to 911. Be the first to call 911 and express this is what happened. Correct. Um, and that way you're at least, if nothing else, you're on level playing field instead of a uh, maybe coming from a, uh, a less defensible position. Well, and you've got some young new patrol guy that has – very limited experience and very limited knowledge to go off of that shows up and he's responding to you as the man with the gun on his call. As a threatening party, but not only that, as a armed party. Yes. So he, he's arriving with heightened awareness and and really wants to get things settled with you as quickly as he possibly can. So uh, as, as that guy that is involved, I... I my threat has removed itself from my problem. I want to be able to, to sit in here and, and call 911 and say, I was, I was just threatened. I had this happen. These steps were followed. Um, I had to display my firearm, and the guy ran away. But I, I don't know where he's at. I, I don't want him coming back. Um, I want to go ahead and get that on record and get that report made and be the victim in this thing while I can. As opposed mm-hmm. to, we're arriving to the guy with the gun call. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you about 95 percent. Okay, and that would be the rule. I mm-hmm. think is if you uh, display or uh, point your gun in some fashion, and there's any thought in your mind that the other person is going to call the police, um, you should be the first person. Sure, uh, that's very good advice, and certainly that even becomes more important and more critical to be the first person on the phone if shots are fired, even if no one is injured. Correct. Uh, But even in a display case, I think that's generally the rule. I do think there are situations where if you can, you want a minute to assess whether that's going to draw attention to yourself that Mm -hmm. wouldn't otherwise be drawn Mm -hmm. to you. Correct. Uh, Then you have to deal with that because when you call the police, you say, I had the gun, I displayed the gun, I was threatened, and that's why I did it, but you've then checked off all the boxes for the prosecution except whether or not you had the legal right to draw the gun. Right. So I've actually had cases where I've, uh, when I can give legal advice, when I am talking to someone in a jurisdiction in which I'm admitted, I can have a one-on-one attorney-client interaction, and we can make that decision where it's a bit of a judgment call. Do we call the police or don't we? Correct. Sometimes we have the luxury to make that decision. Uh, generally speaking, though, I'm right with you guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, I am interested to know, though, uh, what your sense is as one of these unarmed guys is confronting, assaulting verbally, and then posing a physical threat to a member or someone else who's a licensed concealed carrier, uh, what the progression might be on the question of displaying the firearm, whether there are several different intermediate steps, what else do you do first before you just, you know, reach in your holster and and grab the gun? And and go from zero to 100. Right. Um, I, I love the ability, if it's there, to put something between me and an aggressor. If I have that, I'm going to, I'm going to make that a a thing. Well, (laughs) Uh, here's the question I get. Well, Rob, what about stand your ground? I live in a stand your ground state. Why should I back up? He's the idiot that, uh, that it's doing wrong. Absolutely. And I live in a stand your ground (laughs) state. Uh, I do. Um, but the same thing is, is for us, we've, We've been involved in so many things that if I get that opportunity for avoidance, if I can get space and de-escalate and work it out another way, 
That's my first priority. So you bought yourself some time. I got some time. You, you, you have more options. Absolutely. Plus those actions, to me, would be the actions of an innocent party, somebody who was attempting to de-escalate or to avoid the ultimate confrontation. You know what the synonym for innocence is in our world? It's reasonable. Reasonable. Yes. Yeah. So you aren't innocent until you're found not guilty. Right. Right. Legally innocent, anyway. But that will be your actions will be um, scrutinized from beginning to end as Absolutely. to whether it was reasonable and and a hundred percent with you. If you do those things that look like you're trying to avoid, de-escalate, put space, not ramp it up, mm-hmm. you know, not use force um, and, and first. Use, use your words. I mean, mm-hmm. simple enough. I I don't want to fight you. I don't want this. I don't want that. And it continues. Even though we have space, sir, be warned. I'm I'm armed. I have a firearm. That's a that's a step. I'm not sh- I'm not pulling it out. We're not doing anything. I've not threatened him. I've just told you. So I what have, what do I you have th- a firearm? What do you think about that? Let's let's create a if it's okay with you guys. Let's create a, a kind of a hypothetical of okay. sorts. We don't see brandishing charges typically if it's a sexual assault or an attempted robbery or something like that. We see brandishing charges usually that starts as an argument. Yes. Some, someone feels they've been wronged in some way, whether it's in the parking lot somewhere, um, some narrow miss on a, uh, a roadway. roadway. Yeah, so you've got a, a, an incident between two people that are probably pretty law-abiding for the most part. Usually, And yes. one of them feels aggrieved, and they feel they have the right to express it, and then the other person responds. They'll either help or hurt the situation in some way, and then it goes on, and finally, people start to close. There's maybe fists raised or threats made, and then there's a point where the person who has the gun makes that decision what to do in response to this person who's still sort of at least angry yes. and threatening and maybe as big as our producer and content uh, director uh, Justin, you know, independently posing the fear that you have that if he gets his hands on you, you're going to get your ass kicked. There's just no physical way you could beat someone Correct. who who outweighs you by 50 or 100 pounds, who's younger and stronger. and And that's a factor as well, to how you sure. respond, right? For a long time, I trained people that everybody understands this thing, and, and I would ask the question and say, because everybody's heard the, the old thing that the bigger they are, and everybody wants to say, the harder they fall. And it's like, no, the harder they hit. Big guys hit hard. <laughs> you can't change that. Big guys are big mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're still playing into that whole avoidance thing. Yeah. Um, the other parts of that, as an investigator, I promise – First thing Gary's going to look at, first thing I'm going to look at, we're going to start piecing this together, and I see that Don is of this age. He's of this stature. He has this physical hindrance, or you're on blood thinners, or you've got a heart condition. All of these things are things that that I would look at as an investigator. You would look at as a defending attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all those hundreds of factors that are going to play into am I in a justifiable position? Is the, Are these the things that we can articulate in front of a judge and jury to walk away from this whole? And are there things that you did that contributed or, or aggravated the Absolutely. situation, mm-hmm. such yeah. as making a principled stand? I don't have to flee because I live in a stand-your-ground state. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ultimately, that almost that comes across as bravado, and um, while not criminal in and of itself, it it can show that you maybe weren't trying to avoid the the confrontation. Well, the prosecutor is going to take a look at it and Absolutely. say, did was he maybe not a legal provoking it, maybe even not legally initiating it, but was he looking for a was fight? A was he more combat. than willing? Yes. Yeah. Was a mutual mm-hmm. combat versus a what, what about the scenario? Uh, I'll just, let's say that, I don't know, pick, pick any common situation, a parking lot yep. where you are pulling out of your space and um, 
you almost hit somebody who walked between cars right in front of you. You had no intention. You didn't know the person was there. Didn't see him. Didn't see him. But the person just lost it yep. at that point. Whether they thought you were trying to hit them or scare them or whatever, all of a sudden you hit your brakes and the person standing there cussing and raising the fists. And uh, at that point, you are in a confrontation of sorts. Now, we know lots of choices could be made. The person in the car could simply lock the doors and back away. But more than often what happens in my personal experience is the uh, driver either wants to explain or wants to win the argument and gets out of the car. Now we've got this guy who almost hit this guy who's mad, and then it goes from there. Well, the driver has a gun. The other guy doesn't. Mm -hmm. So how does that play out? You fully inserted yourself into a problem. Yeah. You have. You've placed not, yourself not, into not, that problem. Not legally, meaning okay. you had the legal right to do it, just like you have the First Absolutely. Amendment right to cuss anybody you want to, for Certainly. the most part. Certainly. Right? Okay. But you, you, you put yourself in something that you could have avoided simply by not engaging. Yes. All okay. Right. But, le- but you're out there. You have a gun. You know it. He doesn't. And the person is at least as big and strong and probably younger. And you are fearful that if this person got their hands on you, you could be injured, if not seriously injured or killed. And they're ranting and raving and you're responding. So what happens? You use your words first. Absolutely. You change it. You change away from the argument to saying, I don't want this. Back away. Go home. I'm sorry. I didn't see you. I've, I've been in enough fights in my lifetime. (laughs) <laughs> that I know how I heal now, and it's not the same. Um, so I am the very first guy to begin to back down and apologize. Um, but Even the, if it wasn't your fault? Even if it's not my fault. I'm, I'm getting out of it. Yeah. Because it's just easier than the alternative. Let them win the verbal let, argument. Let them win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just let them win and walk away. Um, and I know we've got so many people. And the problem with, that we have is as people, as humans, we are emotional creatures. Um, we see this every time there's an incident that pops up that's a hot topic that gets national exposure. And you'll hear it. You'll see it in our, in our messages that are coming in. Or you'll see the messages that are coming to our articles that we're putting out or our mm-hmm. podcast and all of a sudden, you know, it's when we, we touch on the, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing or we touch on the McCloskeys or these are hot topic things going on in the country that people get so emotional about. And, and I understand we're emotional. But I think a lot of the reason people get emotional is they align themselves with one one person or one party uh, as some aspect of it and don't really focus specifically on the legally significant facts. And it's things that we've all worked the complete Mm -hmm. other side of that. And I understand now that I I get family members that get upset because they'll say, oh, my gosh, did you see this on the news? Well, of course I saw it on the news because as soon as that stuff starts popping on the news, my phone blows up from everybody. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? Uh, Even Stan. Stan and I will call on on topics that are coming out, and he'll he'll say, did you see this? Yeah, I saw it. What do you think? It looks really bad. What do you think? Well, I don't have all the facts. I can't can't make a, a, a true valuable opinion on this without knowing anything more than I know right now. All I know mm-hmm. is what the news has fed me, and it's going to be sensational, and I'm an emotional person, so I'm going to have a physical reaction to this. That's the way the world works. That's the way people work. Um, and we have to take emotion out of it. Um, and if I'm choosing to be a gun carrier, and I've carried a gun for a really long time, I have to understand that, and I have to look at this with a completely different set of lenses. It's really important for me to, to embrace the responsibility of carrying. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes everybody else's life so much easier if we, if we conduct ourselves in that manner. Take the emotion out of it and remove yourself and step back and be apologetic and, and give in. Let, let them win. 
let's, uh, uh, the reason I um, am kind of pushing this, and I'd like to talk with both you guys in more detail since mm -hmm. we're on this notion of brandishing, and we know that when you display a gun in some fashion, you have legal liability for brandishing yes. unless you've done it in self-defense. Correct. So if you don't mind, uh, uh, since we see these scenarios in one form or another, so typically let's go back to the one that we just laid out. Uh, the parking lot situation. Mm -hmm. We know too, uh, you guys know, I know legally from working on cases that sometimes there is a mixture of good decisions and bad decisions. Yes. And sometimes bad decisions started off and hopefully you can make good decisions somewhere along the way and, and detour away from an, uh, an inevitable confrontation. Sure. But, but I'd love to hear what you think this guy, our hypothetical reasonable person could do differently than wind up facing a brandishing or an aggravated assault charge. All, uh, the bad decision, getting out of the car, mm -hmm. the bad decision, arguing back. Um, it's going to, let's say that the person who um, is complaining, they almost got hit, continues. You know, uh, you know, it's your fault, you SOB, you almost hit me, uh, what was, what's wrong with you, et cetera, et cetera. You start the verbal stuff, maybe nice at first, and as the person continues to approach you, they still have the legal right to do that. They have yes. the legal right to yell at you. There's a point in time where even knowing and assuming they have no weapons, you begin to get concerned. There's some safe space if somebody doesn't have a weapon, and then there's some space where it gets pretty tenuous if you've already decided this guy can hurt you if he gets his hands mm -hmm. on you. Sure. So what would you do first? Would, would you talk nice, but then would you say, stop, get back, um, I, I don't want any parts of you, whatever it is, but you become forceful verbally? I, maybe not forceful, but I'm going to be loud because mm -hmm. if this guy over here is two rows over, I need him to know there's a, a disturbance going on where I'm at because now I need a witness. If you can safely do so, are you going to begin to retreat around your Absolutely. car? I'm going to match move for move. If mm -hmm. he steps towards me, I'm going to step back. Okay. And let's assume and everyone's physically able to do that. Um, given that, yeah. And, and, and But he's still coming. And then there's a point in time where you feel you may, in fact, have to physically defend yourself. Uh, you've already, the voice commands have failed, or at least so far, um, less than lethal weapons. Pepper spray, OC? When does that come out? I, I don't carry pepper spray, personally. I, I don't either. I know, I know uh, we've got several members that have called in saying exactly that. We've mm -hmm. just recently had an article come out on pepper spray. Um, That's a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because lots of experts believe you should have, if at all possible, some less, less than lethal, lethal form. Uh, yeah. weapon. Yes. You may not have the opportunity to use it, but if you do, it's good to have something in the middle. My experience has been that uh, a lot of less than lethal options for the concealed carrier, somebody that is not trained uh, and has to go through annual certification with those less than lethal uh, whether it's a chemical agent or uh, a taser-type uh, instrument. Pepper spray is indiscriminate. Uh, anybody that's been a law enforcement officer for very long will tell you that I've had the effect on me when the suspect ate it like candy. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had the negative where it actually took my ability to counter the threat, it diminished that. Um, with the, uh, the tasers and the other things, there's mechanical issues, making sure you have batteries charged, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, to me, they are, they're more problematic uh, than they, they are helpful. Even, even in the hands of someone who's experienced and trained with them? Well, with somebody who's experienced and trains with them, yeah, I, I believe that uh, it's viable. Mm -hmm. But if you're downwind and you torch uh, off a can of pepper spray, you're going to get it. 
So and the the lesson for may make you more vulnerable for some of our folks would be if you're going to consider it, and you probably should consider a less than lethal weapon. Sure. Get some training with it. Have some experience with it. Understand its limitations. Yeah, and I suppose you. I I, I want I want them to take another step, and it's a step they don't want to take. I want I want you to see what the effects are on you. We do that with police officers. Oh, you yeah. about get dosed yourself. Absolutely. Ah, uh-huh. Now I'm not talking about sitting here and spraying yourself directly in the eyes, but mm-hmm. and we do that with young officers. Yeah. And it's not but, just that. We do that, and then we make them fight, and then we make them handcuff somebody, and then we make them shoot. We make them do things under that duress, yeah. and it's horrible. Well, I was thinking of pepper spray uh, in the sense that you can deploy it at, at some distance. You can. Whereas you can't deploy martial arts at some distance. Yeah, it has right, to be right, within right. you know an arm or leg, or leg reach. So if you're going to Consider OC spray or something um, like that. Get some training, you know, shoot some targets. And I suppose in your overall training, if you're going to attempt to use it, be sure you it's the right time and you have plenty of opportunity and that if it doesn't work, you still have enough time and opportunity to... And the ability. And the, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the understanding to know that it's not always an instantaneous effect. Okay. If any effect. If any right. effect. There's, there, I've, I've, I've used OC spray on people that looked at me and just laughed and went, that's not going to stop me. Well, is that a criminal? Wow. That's yeah. a, like somebody on PCP or, uh, you know. It, it could depends. be substances, could be yeah. mental issues. Not necessarily be. the guy in the parking lot. Correct. Who's, who's pissed um, because but at the you same, almost hit But him. at the same time, it's still not that instantaneous effect that you think. It's not just immediate and, and oh, my gosh, I just incapacitated All this right, guy. so let's say you don't have it or you have it but have decided this isn't – I can't use it safely for myself. Mm-hmm. Good right. enough. And you have a gun and the person is continuing to advance, not necessarily that they're charging you, but they, they're closing the distance because they want to continue to enforce their right to yell at you Correct. and to impress upon you how – correct they were, Mm -hmm. that you're such a jerk, you know, that you deserve this. All right. There's got to be a point, though, where you really can't reasonably get farther away. Right. And you have to become more aggressive. So my thought then is, so far we can articulate. That's what I'm asking Mm -hmm. if you're coming into my office and have a brandishing or have an assault charge and you're telling me what happened. I want to know what each of those steps are. Yes. And that each one was reasonable based upon the response or lack of response to the last one. So verbal didn't work. And so you're now at a point where you're still at a safe distance from an unarmed man, but he's not being deterred. Mm -hmm. So now you want to communicate that you are armed. Yes. So there's lots of ways to do that too, I guess. Very plainly. I I want it to be as simple and clear as I possibly can. And And it's nothing more than... Stop what you're doing. I don't want to fight you. I have a firearm. Okay. Simple enough. Everybody, everybody that's close knows. Oh my goodness! Now this, is, the world just got serious. Um, and he goes, "Well, sure you do." Um, I have zero issue with actually raising your shirt and say, "I'm not. I'm not going to fight you." So your your goal then? Your goal is. To clearly communicate, you're withdrawing. Yes. Any any misimpression he might have that you want to fight is now gone. I don't want to fight you. I'm I, and anybody I'm, I'm near armed. can hear okay. that I'm trying to concede. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. That's to where the witness myself. comes in, yes. right? Okay, that's another articulable yes. step. So c- accompanied with the verbal communication, there might be a physical visual. Yes. Where yes. you purposefully would show. So you've now made no mistake. Yes. The guy knows for sure. It's not that... a bluff. I'm, I'm being serious. Okay. Um, still, he, he continues to come. Um, and again, we're still in this place where I have to be ar- able to give a, a proper articulation of my fears at that time. Because um, if it's just a, he's pissed and I'm pissed and all the witness around see that there's two guys that are just yelling and screaming and mad. Mm -hmm. I've really kind of dug myself in a deeper hole if I do this. But I give a visual display, and he continues, and I'm continuing to move around to the other side of a car or whatever, um, and this isn't stopping. I'm probably coming out, and I'm going to a low ready, and I'm I'm still giving 
verbal commands. All right. So for the uninitiated, what's the benefit to you to do that? Reaction time. If he if he chooses to close if he already the knows gap, you yeah. have a gun, yes. So, but and it's not been a deterrent at this mm -hmm. point in time. So by going to the low ready position, you've accomplished what? Uh, I've eliminated my reaction time now. You've I, reduced I, it I, from I've absolutely greatly reduced it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm I'm in a safe direction. I don't have I'm not flagging anybody with the muzzle or anything else. You still haven't I'm pointed still, the gun at anybody. No, you still and haven't still committed operating a, a, safely an assault. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but all these that go out the window, as soon as uh, something occurs that causes that incident to change further from there. Um, and just the fact that this guy's yelling and screaming at me doesn't give me the right to shoot him right now. We're still in that escalation of things. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it step by step by step. So that any available witnesses can see this guy, he tried, he tried backing down. He tried getting away. He tried doing this. He, he tried to warn the guy. Um, these all make these things so much easier to be defensible. In some ways, I guess as well, by going to the low ready, yes. you, by reducing your response time, yes. you've also um, allowed for more time to pass as you debate back and forth with this guy what's going to happen. He can even be a little bit closer than you would allow him if you had to account for a second and a half or two seconds. Sure. You now cut that down in half or, or better. Or better, yeah. Okay, so that's not deterring him, though, because either he doesn't believe you or he's fast approaching, I don't care, I suppose, from I don't believe you. Well, and if we have witnesses available, I mean, obviously, I don't have time to go time out, get my phone out. <laughs> There's absolutely mm -hmm. nothing wrong with me looking to this guy on the other side of the car going, sir, can you call 911? Can you get the police here? Great Because point. I'm still here yeah. mm -hmm. trying, to, trying to remove myself from this issue. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And you know um, at the point you have your gun available to you that you can protect yourself as long as he doesn't get his hands on you. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If he doesn't or get actually, interestingly enough, uh, if he doesn't get his hands on your gun yeah right sure. now now you've introduced a firearm sure yeah. and that's a weighty a weighty decision just from a tactical standpoint right yeah that's one of the that's one of the issues and we've we've experienced it here at ccw safe and i saw it a lot in law enforcement once you've gone to that that ultimate response if he's physically superior from you you have just introduced a deadly weapon into the situation so, uh, you know, that's, this is something in law enforcement that officers face all the time, mm -hmm. shooting an unarmed person. That threshold is just that much higher uh, that there has to be a reasonable response to the threat. That person must be taking some kind of action that would justify uh, the, uh, the lethal response. Well, of course, and the action they take is whatever they're doing. Um, yeah. creates a reasonable belief yeah. that you are facing an imminent threat of great bodily harm or death. Yeah. Not that you might be smacked in the ear or even punched in the arm, but that the threat is serious enough that you could be seriously injured or killed. Yeah. And we all know that self-defense law does not require the other person have a weapon, but yeah. just the ability to inflict that kind of harm. Yeah. As Correct. all of that stuff begins to be yeah. assimilated and processed into your calculation. And this is where there's, if there's a disparity in size mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. these little elements become big elements uh, if ultimately it does result in a self-defense uh, shooting. Uh, we saw that with our, our, our defense of Steve Maddox, of our member Steve right. Maddox, mm -hmm. who was uh, attacked by vastly superior, physically superior uh, person. Mm -hmm. uh, so in our scenario where we're equally matched, that's, that's where it gets really tough. You can't shoot too soon, but you can't shoot too late either. So yeah, the Goldilocks we, theory it, of self-defense, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It has to be just right. Just right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we were talking about that with all these things going on and, and understanding. You, you threw something out there that is so critical for anybody that makes that decision to carry. Um, 
And I, I'm 100% on board. If you can legally carry and you have what it takes to, to utilize the thought process to make proper decisions in the, in the decision to carry, part of that has to be with the very first understanding that if you're ever involved in an altercation from this day forward, if you're carrying, you're involved in an arm, armed confrontation because you brought mm-hmm. the weapon that's into a, that scenario every that. single mm-hmm. time. That's something that's really, really big. Mm-hmm. You can, you'll never, ever, from that day forward, not be in an armed confrontation if you're in a confrontation because mm-hmm. you introduced whatever the weapon is into that scenario. That's on you. Just to kind of finish out um, where we were in our hypothetical, you decided it was necessary to clearly display the firearm and be prepared to use it. Yes. Quickly. Yes. So now you're at a low ready, and we'd hope anybody with common sense would back off at that time, know you were serious and capable and and all of that. Correct. And they may not. You know, is there another intermediate step um, if you have the time between the low ready and pulling the trigger? You're running out of options you're, at that point. Really so by the time you're at low ready, yeah. it's it's on yes. pretty much. You, uh-huh. You've really you've really fully engaged yourself now. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I want to be really wary about when I go that far, because again I've not been hit yet. He's he's talked mean to me. <laughs> you know we're not being polite anymore. Um, I, I, there's been no assault. Uh, at, well, no battery at oh, this point. Okay, so, you, uh, so you, you you show it, then you get it out, and you get here, and you're not ready to use it or legally allowed to use it. Correct. And then the witness that you wanted to see everything Absolutely. that was going on is interviewed by the police and says, oh, yeah, they were yelling. I, I didn't think the guy was going to you know, fight him or anything. He was just mad because he thought he was going to get hit. He was, oh, shoot, I don't know, 40, 50 feet away. And, yeah, he didn't like it, but I, I don't think he was a threat. So all of a sudden, your claim that you were threatened with the illegal use of force to warrant displaying a firearm is now a debate whether you were, in fact, threatened. What can you articulate yes. to support that? And if that fails, you're guilty of brandishing, right? Or be. assault or something, certainly right? Or, or yes. jury, your peers may decide whether you're guilty of brandishing or not. Uh, agreed, because um, you make your own reasonable decisions, then the jury gets to decide whether, in fact, it was from well, their perspective. That's, that's why if we take this scenario and back up to the beginning, not getting out of that car is so important. That seems like a critical point, doesn't that it? Once you've done that, <laughs> as you this have, thing unravels to the yeah. point of somebody going to jail or dying, you've boxed right? yourself in mm-hmm. to a mm-hmm. to a response. Yeah, that's something I wanted to uh, touch on. Is exactly what Gary just said. Is you know, if once you escalate to a certain level, it can be hard or impossible to come back from that. Like when when, when Rob pulls his gun, you know now. You don't. You can't come back from that because the gun's yeah. out. Everybody's seen it. So, you know, that's another step, like getting out of the car. Once you make that, now you're on a path yeah. that you had options before, and now your options are a lot less. Only though, if um, that doesn't end the confrontation. If by pulling the gun, that goes, whoa, I'm out of here. I'm done. Right, right. now, that could happen. But and then, you, then you holster the gun. Sure. And then the guy runs into his car and he says there's a man with a gun in the parking lot. <laughs> yep. And, and now you've got this problem. Yep. Yeah. And it's also could very well be a deadly problem. Yeah. You know, and man with a gun waving around in the parking lot. Guys come in hot. You don't handle it right. You, you, yeah. you get a bad situation. Yeah. But in, in that scenario, what I would personally do is get in my vehicle, get some distance, get on the phone with 911, yes. and just say, hey, I had a guy threaten me in the apartment, mm-hmm. in the parking lot mm-hmm. at this location. I'm here in this car. My gun is secured. Correct. Send officers yep. to me. Yep. Um, and, and Justin's exactly right. It is much harder once you've taken certain steps de-escalation becomes very problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you've limited what you can do. 
try to get back into the car to flee, actually flee in the parking lot. Uh, you know, if I'm a cable, if you've ever tried to back up and, and stay focused on somebody, it's difficult especially in a parking lot mm, mm-hmm. where there, you're, you're trying to work yourself around obstacles and such. There may be come a time that I just turn and, and, and run as much as my uh, advancing years allow me to run, uh, try to get some distance between me and the threat, uh, swallow my pride, get inside where I can call my phone and say, hey, I just had a guy try to attack me over a, 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 a parking lot incident. And, and you pointed out something that seems to me in my experience too, taking these calls and representing people. You said, uh, swallow your pride. Well, yeah. don't we have a lot of these mano a mano, ego-driven stuff that neither one, if they really th- thought about it for a second, would think that was a good idea. But emotions rage and people... Yeah want to win the argument or they want to win the fight and pretty soon they risk literally risk their lives um, um, on a principle liberty yeah over something silly yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and how many times have we heard uh, a member say well i did this then i did this and we go oh man i sure wish he hadn't have done this (laughs) yeah It'd be a lot easier to defend if he hadn't yeah. took that step. Well, isn't that the real value, though, Justin? You see the content from all of the providers mm. and uh, help manage that. Isn't that what it really boils down to is if there's some value from this, it's helping people visualize these kinds of things, almost decide in advance what they can do and what they really can't do, and having... Um, the reinforcement to know there's no cowards in this situation. If you can get away, you've just won the fight. Well, it's, you know, the whole deal with these situations remind me of, uh, it's kind of a gambling term. You know, it's not the odds, it's the stakes. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that, yeah, you're probably going to be okay. But if you don't, if you're not, you know, if you, if your odds come up, that one in 10 come up and you Mm -hmm. don't go your way, your life has changed forever. Yeah. So yeah. that's what terrific, it means. Terrific, you know, it's, uh, the stakes are so high that in order to, to start down that path and close off those options, you know, to me personally, it's, it's, there's going to have to be, it's going to have to be worth it. I, and um, who was it? Uh, Bronca said something that has always stuck with me when you had your conversation with him at SHOT Show. He said, People need to think, I'm paraphrasing here, um, you know, when you make a decision to engage, mm-hmm. you have to, th- beforehand, keep in your mind as, as you're setting up your decision process, are you, is that decision going to be good enough to where if you're sitting in prison 10 years from now, you can look yourself honestly in the face and say, I would make the same decision today. Yeah. Because, you know, you can be right and still lose. It happens. So, so, you know, to me, that's real serious. And we've seen a lot of these cases to where they go from almost a nothing incident, which if a guy just takes one step one way or one step another, mm-hmm. it's just another mm-hmm. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. doesn't, goes down another way, and now his life and his family's life is completely changed. Yeah. And so, those stakes can range from losing your, your permit uh, with a misdemeanor charge to spending time in prison. Yeah. And not to mention, uh, in the case of Steve Maddox, now that, that case went much further, but he spent two years on an ankle monitor. His life was severely, this is, that's been several years now, and I, I talk to Steve on a regular basis. His life is still impacted by what happened that night. He was, he was one of the fortunate ones that got bond, even mm-hmm. though he was facing a murder charge. Yep. Not everybody will get bond. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was because of Steve's background, but also just the circumstances of where he was and who his lawyers were and, and some of that stuff. So yeah. at least he got out, but he was on, like you said, the ankle monitor. And I talked with yeah. him as well. Every single day for about two years, he woke up in the morning after not sleeping very well and wondered was he going to spend the rest of his life yeah. in prison? Right. Yeah. Not to, not to mention the daily loss of freedom where he mm. was allowed only to go to work and to home, and that ankle monitor 
uh, verified that for the authorities. Yeah, that's right. So plus, plus his bond was a half a million dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Fortunately, he was a CCW Safe member, and right. uh, uh, CCW Safe paid the whole tab. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to be, you know, flip about it, but uh, paid the bail bondsman. I know because I interacted personally with the bail bondsman. We worked yeah. out the terms, got the check uh, wired, yeah. and got the ankle monitor set up, and uh, critical. Uh, response was brilliant, uh, on point, immediate, and uh, Stephen was a, a guy who lived in the general area, but not in the town where this happened. Right. Knew nobody, knew right. no lawyers, had no outside contact with anyone in that community. And uh, Kyle Sweet, a general counsel and co-founder, took the call. I got involved immediately, and. Uh, well, within 24 hours, a whole lot of stuff had happened. Yep. Yeah. And then within several days, he was out on, on bail. But he still had that two years every yeah. morning. And that is uh, th that falls along with our scenario. It was a relatively minor incident or series of incidents mm -hmm. that rapidly escalated uh, to where uh, what happened ended up happening. And to Stephen's credit, I mean, he... From, from what Voidance. I know, yeah, did as much as he possibly could, and I'm assuming that's kind of what saved him. Is when you yeah, were able to prove that he took these as he was as reasonable as you could get after being attacked multiple times. Yes, and that's what saved. Him. We have a disparity of size issue mm -hmm. on this case, uh, but uh, um, bottom line, uh, the prosecutor's argument was. Stephen brought a gun to a fist fight because mm -hmm. the guy was a big guy, but he didn't have a weapon, at least none that Stephen saw. And having been personally involved in representing several people that shot and killed their attacker who was unarmed, um, I've seen that firsthand, how, how traumatized the person is being confronted by someone that they full well know can kill them and fully intends to do that. Tried to. And, yeah, yeah, and, and then uh, has to make that very difficult decision. Is this the only option I have? Correct. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud to say, frankly, in each of those cases that I was personally involved in, the jury agreed yeah. that uh, the defendant, my client, really had no choice and that lethal force was lawful and justified in those circumstances. It's not often, you know, that that happens, so please don't think that... Uh, as you are emphasizing, Rob, you can be cavalier uh, in the way sure. that you carry and, and use your handgun. But at the same time, as we urge caution and avoidance and all of those things, it will keep you from being in that spot. At the same time, you guys know if you're in it, you have to act decisively. Right. Yeah. I'd Absolutely. like to do some, some quick takeaways um, just over this, this little deal today. There's so much stuff here. Um, Again, for me, under, understand, we're emotional people. Um, I kind of need to take a step back and forfeit that if I'm going to be a guy responsibly carrying a firearm every day. Um, I need to understand that every time I enter into any kind of situation that could be confrontational, I've just entered an armed confrontation. So you got to remove the, motion, the emotions from it. you got to... Start giving yourself the the freedom to not go, I have a firearm, I'm going to be good, to I have a firearm, I need to be extra cautious now. Mm -hmm. Because this is something that never comes into play unless I have lost all of my options. Yeah, yeah Stan Campbell has a saying, don't, don't do anything, don't make any decisions based on the fact you're carrying a gun that you wouldn't make if you didn't have that gun. Absolutely. Don't let that. Don't let the fact that you're carrying a gun embolden you in any way. Yeah. And the big takeaway for me personally, which long before this conversation, is avoidance. The best way to handle a situation is not get in that situation. Yeah. Uh, avoid it at all costs. In in our our hypothetical situation. Roll down the window, say, I am so very, very sorry, and then get the heck out of there. Yeah. Or don't.
don't roll down the window. Just, just, just leave. leave. Yeah, just, just leave. Yeah. Just leave. I, I know of a tragic case where a guy did that to try to apologize. The other guy walked up to the door and shot, shot him. him. Yeah. yeah. So don't. Good point. Yeah. Just get, you know, send them, a, send them an empathy card yeah, or sympathy right. card. Something. Yeah. yeah. Don, what's your uh, takeaway on this? Well, I, I know that each situation is unique and rises and falls legally on the law and the facts as they play out in that particular jurisdiction. But I do know that it's a really bad idea to try to win an argument by showing the other person that you're armed. Yeah. It's a really bad idea to even communicate that you have a gun until there is a clear articulable threat that legally would warrant you to, sh to use some force. Right. Now, in, in most places, not every place, and in most places, the display of a gun, sometimes even pointing a gun, is not legally considered the use of deadly force. Firing it is everywhere. You shoot at or around, even a warning shot is the use of deadly force, but not necessarily displaying it. However, as you pointed out early on, Rob, once you introduce that gun, it better work because yes. you can't shoot the person if they keep coming at you until their threat escalates to the point that you can articulate that reasonable fear of great bodily harm or death. And Rob and I can both tell you that I've pointed my gun at a lot of people that laughed at me. Yeah. That were not mm -hmm. impressed by a firearm at all in, in, the, in the line of duty, making a, uh, a significant arrest. I, very few were ever impressed with the fact that I had a gun. Yeah, which is even more reason to be cautious about those circumstances because mm -hmm. you really can't predict the response. You hope that it has the response in a sense of de-escalation, but that's a, obviously a critical, critical moment. So um, we talked at the beginning about brandishing and all its forms and permutations uh, everywhere, but the bottom line is, yes, if you are going to display, point, uh, in some sort of offensive way, even though we call it defensive display, Correct. it's offensive unless you had the right to do it defensively. Correct. Keep in mind, you've started by committing a crime until such time as you've shown that it wasn't. Yep. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Uh, the one takeaway I'd like to pass on to people is we get these questions all the time, and, and a lot of questions, and it's understandable from people. They want a hard, firm, fast answer. Yes, no, one, two, three, four, in that order you do this. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people hopefully can gather by listening to this and other stuff, this is a, a very flexible continuum. Uh, one thing can change everything. And, for example, our, our, your scenario here where you have relatively equally matched people. Now, you take me and a 120-pound woman that's lost her mind – and is chasing me around the parking lot. I, you know, unless she pulls a gun and shoots at me, you know, a deadly force option for me. I don't see how you could ever articulate that's that. That's a great point. You better let her kick your butt. Well, you know, I'm, you know, to mm -hmm. some extent, I'm not going to pull a gun. Right. Right. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. unless she points one at me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but that's what I mean about the hard and fast answers. Tyler Gray, who was a Army SMU member. Um, he always used to make me a little, he used to work for CCW safe, but he always used to make me nuts because we would talk about tactics and CQB stuff and stuff like that. And his answer to everything always came down to the same thing. And it would make me crazy. It depends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, Absolutely. And it was, he's right. And, and it's an answer that people don't necessarily give them what they want. But to me, what, what that taught me was you have to think. You have to know you're going to have to think when this stuff happens. So if you prepare yourself for that, that, you know, I have to make a decision under stress when I'm, you know, worked up or scared. So if you think about that beforehand, it falls into the visualization that Stan and Mike always talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you prepare yourself for that, then you're in a better position than you just kind of getting hit in the face with cold water and find yourself in this deal to where you're scared. And now it's like, Oh, I got to pull my gun. Yeah. You know? So to me, that's the whole thing is it is a continuum. It is flexible. 
And if you're going to carry a gun, like Rob said, it comes along with responsibilities. And to me, one of those responsibilities is you better be ready to think because you are going to be responsible for your decisions. Right. Absolutely. That's all I got. You guys good? This was amazing. Awesome podcast, guys. I think it was great. Don, thank you. Yeah, thank oh, you, I love this stuff. You know, yeah. one thing leads to another, to another discussion, and um, yeah. yeah, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it. A million ways we could have gone with that. <laughs> with all yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, I was most afraid of just the rabbit holes that were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just let, great. Let's try to kind of stay focused. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah, thank right. you, and have a good one, everybody. All right. Bye, bye. See you tonight. <laughs>